Bad in a Podcast, sponsored by Flyro. Podcast, what is going on? Look quickly before we start this piece of audio gold. I quickly want to tell you about Garden Club, GDN Club. It's available right now. As part of membership, you'll get a weekend breakfast podcast inspiring you while you eat your cornflakes to get outside into the garden. You'll also get a monthly behind-the-scenes video with a make-to-create gardening idea to do with the family you'll get the digital version and the audio version of the how to get kids gardening book you'll get a private and exclusive community area which means that you can share ideas with other members of the club and instant access to me which means you'll be able to message me and i will instantly get back to you answering your questions it's all available right now for 39.99 a year which is about three pound 30 a month which i don't think is too bad all of this supports getting kids into gardening and supports the podcast too plus if you are a school and a teacher that means you get it for free so there's access to absolutely everything from garden club free for teachers if it sounds like something you'd like to be part of or want to find out more hit up skinnygenegardener.co.uk forward slash gdn now let's get on with the podcast Yes, coming up tonight, we've got Mark Mackey and Mr. Richard Suckett. Now, if you're a usual viewer of the show, oh, by the way, I should say this at the start, if you're if you're a fan of the show, you enjoy the show, do me a favour, whatever you're watching it on, just give it a little share. If you're watching it on Twitter, give it a little retweet. If you're watching it on Facebook, give it a share to your mum and your dad or if you're friends with, your thousand odd friends. Um, or if you're watching it on YouTube, then you can like it or something. I don't well, you can share on YouTube or not. Whatever. On Twitch. I don't I don't know about Twitch, but I know we have we always have one. Oh, not in tonight. Not in. We usually have one Twitcher watching. No Twitchers tonight, guys. No Twitchers. Anyway, Mark and Richard, uh, if you've watched the show before, you'll know they're on. Uh, they're part of the VIP club. They're coming on tonight. Now, the reason they're coming on is because Mark has been spent the last week and a bit bringing together a planting plan for everything that we've talked about. Uh, around sowing seeds for schools. And it's been a big subject. I know you might be enough of that school thing. But (laughs) but tonight, we're going to go into that planting plan, share it with you guys, uh, to everyone that's interested. And hey, you might think that's quite a good planting plan for my own garden. You might take something away from it. Uh, We've also got uh, self-proclaimed, it isn't actually self-proclaimed, but uh, our very own uh, vegetable expert mr richard suggett is joining us just to give another opinion as well i've got my own opinion i thought richard might have his own opinion too we'll both uh, definitely come in to that uh, um, <laughs> very odd comment just pop up on youtube <laughs> i won't i won't mention that one fair enough though welcome to the show <laughs> We can't answer that question anyway on the YouTube. Hello. Hi, mate. 
Oh, oh, I can't hear you because the, the reason I can't hear you is because I've just walked off and... <laughs> You've unplugged your earphones. So we can talk about him and he won't know. Yeah. I, how, can everyone... Can you two hear each other? I can yeah, hear we can that. hear each other. And I can't. What is happening? <laughs> what is my, happening uh, there? My, 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 my boss, when we do conference God, calls, on he has the webcam going under his feet. And he keeps on kicking it, Albert. and the webcam flies down. <laughs> Mark, I can't hear what you're saying. It was very it's funny. All right, Hold your horses. No yeah. one say anything. This is... It's well, Robert's fault because he said that things will get better and they've not got better. <laughs> Hello? 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 Oh, what have I, what's been pressed? Hmm. So, Richard, should we have a uh, well, this is, It's not nice yeah, You two could literally no, be saying anything right now and I, I have we no are. idea. Uh, <laughs> right, let me see. This is... What's that? Oh, hang on, let's see if this works. Hello? Hello? Oh. Richard, you say, you say something, Rich? Yeah, what? No, you're yeah, winding me up now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get you back from the times you've done it to me. <laughs> that is actually, uh, I don't know what happened there. Something just absolutely fell to pieces. Anyway, uh, things can only get, I'll cut that out of the main podcast. Things can only get better <laughs> with Mark and Richard. Hello, guys. Hello. How you doing, mate? Uh, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, well, thanks firstly, Mark, for uh, I had a little look earlier at uh, what you've been up to, which is very exciting, which we're going to go through tonight. And Richard, thanks as well for joining us tonight. You're welcome. I've got my notepad ready so I can take notes. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, <laughs> minute man. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I'm just two, two notepads. notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, Mark. What's been going on? So over the last, is it been just over a week, in it? Yeah, it's um, as you know, we are on like a very, very similar sort of journey. Whereas you've been all about getting kids into gardening, and my uh, little boy has started school. Uh, he's five years old. A um, couple of weeks back, so uh, as is inevitable, the the parents have worked out, the teachers have worked out that um, we are. Um, horticulturalists so they want to give us some advice they want us to help out and we're more than happy to do that um and um what i wanted to do was you highlighted on on, on your school garden tour brilliant documentary by the way available on youtube i suggest everybody who's watching this goes and, and, and looks at it that there is this massive problem when it comes to horticulture and growing stuff is that you've got these blocks of holidays and the six week holiday is such so difficult because it's so difficult to get people into water um, and i think you mentioned the other night that there are even silly health and safety issues about having people coming on site to water um which uh, so, so what i've done i'm not i don't want to talk about spreadsheets that much but i put a spreadsheet together <laughs> which basically shows when the school holidays are, when crops can be the earliest they can be sown 
and the latest they can be harvested. Now, this is pushing the boat out a bit. Now, I'm sure Richard and a lot of your other listeners can give us some brilliant feedback to say that, you know, I'm pushing the boat out here. But I wanted to put something together that shows school teachers, because let's face it, school teachers love a plan. They love a methodology methodology excuse me that they can follow Um, and uh, if we can put something together which shows them that these are the easier plants to grow that you can plant early and harvest before the summer holiday starts then that's 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 great and also maybe there are certain plants that you can grow and plant in the ground and they may be drought and robust enough to be able to survive a six weeks with no water and then and then also winter cropping and things like that. And, and, and it's made me, I mean, what I've got here is is, is only a you know, four or five hours work. Um, there needs to be a lot more work put into it, which I'm more than happy to do. And what I'm also kind of thinking about is that we need to start. I mean, I don't know anything about um, the school year um, because my son is just starting. Yeah. And what I'd like to also put together in conjunction with this is a projects that each year group can do now when i was a kid at um, primary school i think i was probably um in my third or fourth year and i planted a tree and that memory stayed with me for the rest of my life now if we can maybe just get like one year group every year they plant a tree and then yeah. they get to understand how you plant a tree how you stake it how you tie it how you protect it um not necessarily how you feed it but the understanding of what goes on when a tree is establishing and the, the, the biology behind it. So lots of different ideas. But yeah, you know, this is really exciting because it's it's a starting point. Uh, and let's let's talk about it. Let, 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 let's work out what is good. I mean, I, I'm thinking the, the, the initial spreadsheet I sent you, you know, it's um, what we need to do is um, a bit of a moonpig.com. We need to turn <laughs> it into a wall planner. So the yeah. schools have this wall planner up there. And if anybody here is watching tonight and wants to re- retweet, moonpig.com, we're going to go to you for some free stuff. So the schools kind of get this wall planner. Yeah. They get a skinny jean gardener um, sort of you know, set of notes, which are, this is what you plant, this is how you plant it, this is what you do it. Um, maybe, you know, you do some um, YouTube pre-recorded stuff that you can send to the schools and say, yeah, this is how you plant, this is what you do. Um, but yeah, th- this is this is the start of a very exciting project. Let me just interrupt this podcast by saying that this podcast is sponsored by Flymo. Yes, Flymo. If, like me, you've had that final cut of the lawn and the lawnmower is stored away in the shed, that doesn't mean that gardening stops. And that also doesn't mean that Flymo don't have some amazing products to help you out throughout the winter. One thing that I absolutely love is the Sealink 20 volt Combi Pack 3-in-1. It's an interchangeable, lightweight and easy to use 3-in-1 gardening tool. You've got a grass trimmer, a hedge trimmer and a blower which especially at this time of year when I've got loads of leaves in the garden is absolutely perfect for me. You know me, I absolutely love Flymo. They're an affordable and quality tool, which, when they're cordless like this, makes it so much easier just to get out of the shed and just get out there and get gardening. If you head over to flymo.com right now, it's free delivery on all orders over 45 quid. 
And so if you want to continue your garden adventure throughout winter, that is the place to head to. Right, let's continue the podcast. And like I say, I'm at the, I'm at the beginning of it because I've got my kids just starting school. Monty's five, Maverick is one. Um, they, they've both got birthdays um, this October. So Monty will be five this October and Maverick will be one this October. That's an expensive time before Christmas. Um, so... <laughs> I'm going to be involved with this school for potentially the next um, six plus Maverick, you know, 10 years. Yeah. So I want to try and put into, put into this school something which is sustainable, something which it doesn't have to be me there. It needs to be something that's easy that other people can, can, can look after and do. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that, like I say, that's the start of it. I don't know everything. Yeah. That's the great thing about horticulture is that you will never know everything. That's why it's such a brilliant industry to be in. You're constantly learning. But I know enough to be able to hopefully help out with a boring spreadsheet. <laughs> we love a spreadsheet, mate. We love a spreadsheet. What sort of um what sort of things then then, Mark, did you uh do you find was was good to grow in uh Oh, well, well, away from a six weeks holiday, really. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's actually really important to identify is what not to grow. Um, mm. I mean, I wouldn't recommend most of the brassicas, uh, most of the cabbages, broccoli, cauliflower, um, kale, partly because um, they get cabbage white butterfly. So uh, you have to put them in brassica cages, and you know, I've grown I've grown brassicas. I, I I made a beautiful brassica cage that lasted four or five years. It cost me about probably 60 quid to make and then probably another 40 quid in all the meshing that I put around the side of it. So every every cabbage that I grew that was in great condition probably cost about £8.50. You know, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't sort of economically viable. Um, and um, the, the crops that I've identified, which I think, and, and please correct me, guys, all the guys listening, uh, sorry, all the people listening, please correct me, but Broad beans are a pretty good one because they are pretty tough. Um, you can sow them February, March time, and you can harvest them as early as May. Now, this is obviously all depending on um, how, if we have a nice early spring when it's warm, the ground will be warm enough. Um, and um, yeah, so, 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 so that's a good one. But you see, broad beans, they're, they're, they're not a great thing for kids because you've got to shell them and yeah. they're lovely uh, i mean broad beans on toast with a bit of crusty bread and bacon put through it see this is what i want to also want to do is put put some recipes together put some ideas about how they kind of like what's the nicest way of of eating them well i'm going to interject on the broad beans we can actually sow those now and grow them over the winter for an early crop in about may time brilliant Something growing over the winter, start of the school term, get some interested and something to do, grow over the winter. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, any crop that you can plant autumn, grow over the winter um, and something like broad beans and, and Brussels sprouts, um, uh, you know, but they're tough enough to survive our winters. Now, yeah. again, with Brussels, I, I know kids don't like Brussels particularly, but they are a classic winter um, uh, you know, crop, which is tough as old boots, and they're also really funky to grow because they they, they, they put on so much growth. Uh, the kids get to harvest them, uh, and they're Christmassy. I mean, what kid doesn't like Christmas? That's the thing. Isn't it? I think I I honestly think it's a good a good thing to grow them because 
maybe children don't like them because one, they don't grow them at that sort of age or get to eat them. It's always yeah. like mum and mum and dad's always like, oh no, you, don't, you won't want Brussels sprouts. But they've actually grown them from school. Then that could get a whole generation of Brussels sprout eaters. I also think most people don't like Brussels sprouts because they overcook them. They cook them for too long. They only need about five minutes in the pan, and that's it. Is that it? Because that's I'm, it. I'm sure I put them on for about an hour. And that's probably why they taste horrible. Then, <laughs> uh, if you've got young Brussels sprouts, you can treat them like cabbage, where you 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 can um, cut them completely, put the leaves together, blanch them in a, uh, a pan of boiling water, and then you put them through with bacon, uh, smoky bacon, streaky bacon, cranberries, uh, and butter, and, and you make a really lovely little sort of almost warm salad dish out of them. Uh, and, and they're not as brassicary, they're not as cabbagey as they they, 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 they could be. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely possibilities, but I must admit at Christmas, I do love the Brussels sprout that's been scored at the bottom, sorry, scored at the bottom, and I put them on about two days before just to have that <laughs> horrible Brussels sprout. It's tradition. Well, that's what we want kids to be like. That's what we want kids to be asking mum and dad for, isn't it? So uh, so I think I think it's a winner to, to, to be growing them at school. And they're easy. They're, 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 they're strong. They're tough as old boots. Um, I think there are some varieties of carrots that we can get, which will be planted as early as mid-March. Um, and they can also possibly plant them mid-April to May. Excuse me, I'm looking at my spreadsheet while we're talking, oh, just to, to, to uh, refresh uh, my mind. So I'm thinking with carrots, if you can plant them, uh, sow the seed, um, sort of April, May time, they should be robust enough to hopefully get through that summer holiday window. And if we get a bit of rain, then you know that that'll be a blessing. So you can be harvesting carrots when you come back from school holiday. Mm -hmm. That's a possibility. Or you know, possibly you can go for a very early variety. Um, onion sets, I think, are probably a winner because you can put them in as early as mid-Feb. Um, they're a bit expensive to buy as onion sets. Um, I mean. This kind of brings me on also to a when it comes to seed planting, um, I'm thinking possibly onions and tomatoes. Um, they can be they're so cheap for the seed. You get so much of the seed and you could actually be growing the seed inside the school. And yeah. so you even though it's a really long thing to do, let's face it, schools have got plenty of time. You could actually grow onion seed to make a bowl within the classroom. Uh, as long as it's kept watered, which shouldn't be too much of a problem. Um, and also with, with tomatoes, I've left tomatoes out of the spreadsheet because I think, you know, they're just going to be cropping like crazy. They need washing, they need feeding, they need everything. But why don't you have as a year group project for a certain year, you get one pack of uh, tomato seed and you grow them from seed um, to a decent sized plant and the kids take them home for the summer holiday and they plant yeah. them at home. Uh, and then they've got... Yeah, then they've got time to actually sort of look after them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've basically said French bean, leek, parsnip, pea and potato, don't bother with. Um, I'm undecided about leek because um, at the last place I lived at, um, I had for a couple of years, it was like a, a perpetual leek bed. Now, it happened because I was a bit kind of like lazy and I let some leeks go through to seed. They started self-seeding in the ground around. 
But then I started lifting them when they got to a, decent, a, a small size, you know, the size of a, 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 a half the size of a pen, lifted them and moved them around. And they just kind of kept on producing. Now, you didn't get the best quality links in the world. But again, another thing I really want to do is tie this back into the national curriculum, whereby if you could have a petrol leak bed, that constantly self-seeds, constantly produces new plants. And after a couple of years, there'd be enough seed in the soil for them to just be popping up. All you need to be doing is managing it. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a, a bit of an idea there. Um, so I'm undecided about leaks. Um, Jerusalem farty chokes. Just the name. Now they would have to be put in an area which, um, is almost fenced off from the rest of the school because the, 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 the these plants run and a similar thing with the leaks where we drew some artichokes um if you put them in even if you dig them all out you've probably missed some so they're just going to keep on coming up year after year after year but again you could teach the school children that um you know this is the life cycle of how the plants work so we'll dig some up we'll put some back in and then next year we will always have more artichokes coming up and um like you say lee when we mentioned the other night I, 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 when we spoke the other night we found out that some um, artichokes contain inulin rather than starch so diabetic people can eat them and i know that uh, you can make beautiful artichoke purees which are a bit like mashed potato yeah. slightly stronger flavor but if you want that lovely carb hit um yeah then then uh, yeah that's there and i also really want to because I, I think i can do it maybe um, we've talked about the veg which are mainly um best grown in soil yeah there's a whole load of salads and fruit that are pot grown and this is for the schools that have no green space whatsoever they've just got tarmac um and I, when, when i was at college we actually had a um a raspberry area uh, where they were literally grown in pots on top of the field because raspberry canes will, will, will run so far they're uncontrollable so it's arguable that one of the best ways to grow raspberries is actually in a pot yeah um, and um yeah so yeah like i say this is the start of the process and this um this spreadsheet has you know um six tabs veggies which are the veggies we just talked about there's a whole tab on fruit there's one on herbs. I mean, herbs are so easy um, to, to do in pots, to do um, uh, it, 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 in the classroom situation. They don't even need to be going outside in, in some cases. Um, salads as well. Um, you know, we, we buy little salads in the supermarket that are you know, growing in, in, in compost. Yeah. Um, you're spending so much money doing it like that compared to buying the seed. Um, Ornamental, I'd like to really talk about that. I think that's a different conversation. And then also, I, I, I did mention the other night, I um, I put a section in which is actually arable. And I would like to consider for the schools that do actually have um, space, uh, soil space, to actually consider certain arable crops. If you just put in a couple of square metres of wheat, it could be a really good learning resource because um, historically children have helped harvest the wheat harvest. You know, they, they've been out there. They, 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 they've, they've picked up the, the, the corns, which um, the adults missed when they were scything. Um, and for the kids to actually, you know, by hand, take the, the, the chaff off the wheat. And OK, they may only have a handful of um, you know, wheat kernels, which the teacher could then 
get a mortar and pestle, grind up into proper flour. They could actually get their hands in the flour and feel what it's like. And then you bring out a bag of flour and you cook pancakes and you, yeah. and you show them, you know, what it can be done. And, and also the concept of possibly the fact that we grow foods for us to eat, but we also have to grow food for livestock. And there's a magnificent plant called a mangle wurzel tough as old boots will grow anywhere and farmers grow it for livestock feed so why not have a little section of mangle wurzels great name great producing name. this amazing um root um and um yeah so we can maybe sort of bring together all the elements of of, of ag and hawk and, and things like that um but yeah work in progress 100 percent. yeah let's discuss how, it a bit further how much space do you need to grow wheat well i mean it would only be really be a test bed um, you're not trying to get a decent crop because you can always go to the corner shop and get a bag of flour. It's yeah. really just showing the kids that I reckon literally just two square metres would be enough to be able to produce flour. Um, uh, and um, I mean, enough flour just to show the kids this is how it's created, this is how it's made. And then you can also backtrack that into history uh, because, you know, mill owners were some of the richest people in, in the Middle Ages because they were the people that took the the, the wheat from all the little small hold, all the small holdings, all, all the uh, um, the farmers, and they milled it because they were rich enough to be able to buy millstones. And, and you know, they were some of the richest people out there. Um, so... If we can tie this back into history, if we can tie this back into um, you know, biology and um, you know, all, all these sorts of things, it's, um, yeah, I mean, the, agri the arable side of things ha has some great possibilities because um, mm. th th there's even a, a, a crop called woad, which is a blue dye. If you ever see blue fields, that's woad that's being grown. Yeah. And the Celts, they used to paint themselves with it as war paint. You know, it, it was one of the earliest dyes out there. Um, what, is and, it, what is it actually growing for now? Is it, is it just, uh, I, I believe. Oh, it is a fabric. Yeah, yeah, for fabric painting sort of thing. Yeah, interesting. For fabric colouring, sorry. Yeah. See, this is where I, I, I've been phoning a friend about the arable side of things, so I don't quite understand it. I've seen these amazing blue fields. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, and, and, yeah, so, so there's... The word arable has just come into my vocabulary tonight, mate. So. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> oh, on that note, actually, talking about arables and the kids having to help bring in the arable crops. Well, that's why the school holidays was chosen at that time, so the kids can go and help bring in those crops. Was it really? Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. It does. It also shows how um, how school was regarded, that crops were more important in school. Yeah. yeah that's, that's very true if you if you watch um uh, the bbc2 series the victorian farm and the edwardian farm they, 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 yeah, they had some yeah. historians that went out and recreated these farming practices and uh yeah richard's exactly right you know the, the the harvest season was so kids could help out um the parents were working incredibly hard the kids were working incredibly hard and um, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's a really nice thing that we can weave back through this. So, so what I'm kind of thinking with, you know, turn the spreadsheet into a lovely moonpig.com. <laughs> we have had a comment um, while you've been talking, Mark, saying, are you sponsored or are you on commission for Moonpig? Well, I want Moonpig to give us the wall panel for free. So that's why I want them <laughs> to, uh, that's why I'm plugging them now. Retweet, get, get Moonpig's attention. <laughs> I, I want them to be able to produce, you know, 200 
massive wall planners with skinny jean garda branding all over it and do it for free. Mark, there's 17,000 primary schools in the UK. Well, let's start slow. <laughs> <laughs> let's prove that it works, first of all, and then uh, move on out. Hi, hi, Mr. Moonpig, do you mind just printing off 17,000 wall planner suits? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and this is what I think we can do also with the um, with the seed. If we can really start to work out which varieties of seed are going to be the best, we can go to Sutton's and Thompson and Morgan and people like that and say, right, we want a pack that is ideally free to schools or possibly trade a bit off, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. But um, if we can show them that we have put together a, a wall planner, a booklet which shows how to plant, when to plant, all these different things that the schools can pick and choose from and say, we are going to recommend your seeds, your varieties. And if you refer the school, Thompson, Morgan, Sutton's, all these great seed houses will then give them the free seeds. Mm. Um, and, I, and I'm kind of thinking also with, you know, schools which are have, have got no green space and they want to grow everything in pots. You know, plant pots cost no money whatsoever. You know, it, it's, it, it's not a lot of money. So you kind of get, well, for, for us guys to buy it, it does cost quite a bit of money. But to make plant pots, it doesn't cost any money whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So you again go to some of the plant pot companies and say, right, I've got this program for schools which have got no green space and we want to have plant pots. Can you supply them for free? I'm sure we could do something of that. Possibly even get um, you know, irrigation, trickle and drip, um, timed irrigation. Then that would open a whole new world of, of oh, possibilities. For sure. Um but yeah, with that, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think, I think, uh, I think, what am I thinking? I think that uh, growing in like a, like I, in my head, I thought like growing in pots or growing in a raised bed or having something that's universal. So no matter what type of school, you don't have to choose whether you have the space or don't have the space. You don't feel like left out. Just as a, like, almost like what we're looking at here is being able to give like a package to every school to start gardening. And then if they want to take it to another level, then that's them. But as long, yeah. as, long as they've got this successful starter pack, moon pig, wall planner, see uh, <laughs> everything that's going to make sure that first year is successful, then, yeah. um, then that's what we want. And, yeah. and I reckon you... Sorry, Richard. Sorry. Sorry, you carry on. I was, I was just agreeing with Lee. I, I reckon you can probably do quite a bit on sort of, you know, 20 square metres of a um, playground or car park where you take two metres wide by 10 metres long. Um, in fact, I'm going to make a note about that because we, we need to look at aspects, sunlight and, and the position of that. Because if it's facing north, then you know, it's going to limit us to what we can do. Um, but I reckon, you know, just like two metres by 10, 10 metres, you could do a lot in that area. Um, and, and, and... Uh, Dr. Richard Suggett, what do you think about that? Sorry, what would you say? Sorry, Dr. Richard Suggett, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um... I've made a note about uh, what uh, whereabouts they are in the country make make a difference as well as to what grows well there. That might just add more complications into it, but I think if we can get hold of some local gardeners to find out what seed varieties does best in their local area, 
we might be able to get them involved to to help us out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to find them complications now rather than yeah uh, when they're when they're out out there. Uh, so yeah, that's it's a, it's a good point. But yeah, that, that, that's, that's a very good point. And also, the um, the spreadsheet can be adapted for um, Wales and Scotland, where they've got slightly different summer holidays. Um, and you know, Scotland, obviously, when it comes to planting early crops and harvesting, they're going to be a couple of weeks behind Kent. So we can again just sort of adapt that across. But also, you know, east coast of Scotland has amazing light levels because the, there's some rising yeast sets in the west and you know some of the best um, fruit producing areas. Most of the Ribena that we drink comes from the east coast of Scotland because it's got that, that, those light levels. Um, but yeah, it, it, it needs to be taken into account, but it can all be worked with, it can all be adapted. We just need enough knowledge pulled together. I can bring a bit, Rich can bring a bit, Lee can bring a bit, your listeners can bring a lot. 100%. Stuart's just said uh, in the group, I would look at uh, 10 square metres first. 20, 20 is a bit large to start. Um, I suppose yeah. it's a fair point from Stu, I suppose. I mean, Stuart, Stuart's talking from experience with his working with the kids at school, so that's quite useful to hear that. It's handy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And Rob, Rob says, thanks for remembering us up north. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting we mentioned Scotland. My father-in-law lives in Scotland, and last year when we visited them, I went to this amazing botanical gardens, Port Logan Botanical Gardens, and they have got some of the most exotic plants growing there that you would not imagine growing in a, in Scotland at all. It's absolutely stunning. It's, it's um, a lot colder up in Scotland, right? Well... In this particular area, because of the microclimates, it doesn't get that cold. It's really? very similar to whether we get down here. Oh, well, that throws a curveball, <laughs> doesn't it? It does, it does. Completely. We'll go on the average. We'll just go on the average. We'll go, on, go on the average. <laughs> um, Stuart Jackson's actually noticed something that, or said something as well that I made a note of. As another option of something we could grow in, in places or schools that don't have a garden or microgreens, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that could be um, pea shoots or uh, meti or fenugreek or something. And something that we can they can actually grow quick. They can grow on a windowsill and probably bring it during the wintertime and talk about it as well. That'd be well exciting to be even just for each child to be growing that on their desk, like in front of them. Yeah. And just being able to watch it throughout the, um, like imagine sitting doing your maths or whatever, you know whatever you're doing. You have got that sitting there all the time. So you have got that connect, constant connection. I mean, you're going to get some knocked over, sure, but <laughs> <laughs> but you've got that constant connection to to watching that grow every day. You come into your class and you get to see that happening. Yeah, I mean they time. tend to grow quite quick as well. So within a two three weeks, you're looking at harvesting them. That's it. That's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. That's exciting. I think that's, that's, I think it's a good idea to do, be able to do that inside. And, and you know, they, they they could probably sell those as well because microgreens are really chefy. They're really popular mm. at your local gastro pub. And if yeah. you had a whole school group growing them, um, you know, you could just maybe sell them on afterwards. Um, yeah, I've, I've come, yeah, there's a company well, I came that, across that did a well, lot. That, of, sorry, Richard. Sorry, sorry. You carry on. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's when you were talking about leeks earlier i actually suddenly thought when you said they take a while to grow but if you harvest them when they're small a lot of these rip posh hotels will pay a lot for small leeks yeah. baby leeks 
What, what are you two thinking that the teachers could have like a little bit of extra beer money at the end of the week? That's <laughs> basically they need it. Come on, kids, get growing because uh, Mr. Connolly needs the beer money. <laughs> well, schools always say they don't have enough money. This could be another fundraiser for them. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, it's a bit like I've got, just going back to that George Lamb interview yesterday. Like they do, that's exactly what they do. They do a big sell off every, every now and again. Selling mm. their their veg and, and whatever they've been growing, so um, so I can't see why that can't be done. Nah. Yeah, definitely. Especially on, a, so especially it, on a Friday, like imagine mum and dad come back with some freshly grown veg from school for dinner for the weekend. Yeah, Sunday roast sorted. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and also with, with schools that don't have a huge amount of space they may not be able to you know sort of come home with veg and things like that but we need to teach them the principle of how you grow something and i think all the kids a class of 30 even if they just grow a handful of leeks they've seen that process from start to finish or yeah. if they just one tree um as i mentioned earlier it, it's um one of my memories as a child is that I planted a tree and I saw it growing for four, five, six years at primary school. Um, you know, and so having this kind of continuity, having this kind of, you don't have to produce enough crops to, to, to feed the whole school or sell to the local area. That'd be great if you could, but you only need to teach a principle. So it could literally be just every crop that we've got on this list grown in one pot, but at least yeah. they see. They've planted the seed, might be 30 kids all planting the seed together, and they've seen it grow through to fruition. And they can see, oh, you can buy that in the supermarket, but I planted it, I grew it. So it yeah. can be a small area. Um, I, I really like the tree idea. I think that's such a good a good idea for each just each class to, to plant up a tree. And imagine, like, over the time, imagine, like, going back to your school reunion saying, I planted that tree, that massive tree over there. Exactly. Uh, and, um, there are other trees which they or other woody plants they could they should consider um page five on the spreadsheet um <laughs> we, we've got buddleias for um you know butterflies i mean every school should have a buddleia bush in there and maybe they should look at an area where it might be around the edge of the car park you know it might be you know next to you know buddleias will grow anywhere where a year group plants one buddleia every year uh, and it keeps on going. Um, Rosa rugosa, the, 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 the dog roses, um, they are tough soul boots, they produce massive rose hips um, uh, and, and some of the most fragrant roses are from the, 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 the Rosa rugosa types like Delahaye or Blanc de Dubel de Cuba, um, a fantastic plant. Um, crab apples, you know, a crab apple is a fantastic tree to plant and, and you can do stuff with the crab apples. Um, Prune spinosa, the slow, um, you know, Okay, the, the teachers will probably be making slow gin, and let's face it, they'll probably need a bug this time. Um, and and um, yeah, prune, the, the common cherry, prunus avium, um, tough as old boots will grow anywhere, and, and the sorbus, the mountain ash, um, drought tolerance, uh, produce lovely autumn colours and berries. So, if one year group every year planted a tree, yeah. if, if the got that if the um school has space obviously big proviso um a bit tricky to try and work out how to do it with um uh, schools which don't have the space well, i'm thinking maybe you could get in touch with the local um park um uh, 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 and actually tree plants in the park that the kids go to to play in 
you know, so, yeah. some tie-in with council. Um, but then at least the year group would have the ownership of, we planted that tree, that is our tree, and mm. they'll see it grow for you know, decades. Stu says tree plant has to go through the governors uh, as they have to be registered with the local authority, apparently. Okay, right, that's good to know. Um, which is just, again, another little curveball, but I'm sure we can get around it. I think it's, a, it's not a bad idea what you're saying about going to local parks and having that um, that there for for the kids to go to and visit, if you, if you can get yeah. that worked out with a council. I, I think councils will get on board because it's to do with schools, of course, and it's it's best for best for the council to show we're with schools and uh, get them on board. Yeah, looks good for them, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks good for them. And also, if I'm not mistaken, schools come under the council umbrella. So they're basically the same group, albeit different departments. So they're all working together. And they're probably going to end up, instead of the the, the park authority paying maintenance and looking after that bit of land, it's going to fall under the schools. And then they've got the kids doing it. So basically they're getting slave labour looking after that bit of air ground. <laughs> Why have you got to describe it like that? <laughs> well, it comes back to this whole thing about how schools were started to... Um, uh, why The school, whole thing like schools, as I said earlier, the term time was decided around the farming period. But the bell, and not many people know this, the fact that the school was responding to a bell was to get the children accustomised to the bell for when they go working in factories oh. yeah, that's true. yeah it's a when did it a... stop when did it stop the harvest thing for the kids getting out there i think they should have kept that going mate probably around the 60s and the 70s when everything started becoming mass produced and um well probably actually the industrial revolution thinking about it when everything became mechanized and uh, the kids weren't needed so much mm, good point I think around about the 60s and the 70s, um, down in um, you know, Kent, Garden of England, there was still a huge travelling community that would upend and take their whole families down to pick the harvest of the fruit, because fruit is very difficult to mechanically um, harvest. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's not that far off, you know, living memory that, that, that these sorts of practices were still going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rich, have you got any other um, other thoughts from your veg-growing um, doctorate about uh, <laughs> about what uh, would be good for kids? Yeah, I've got a I've got a few thoughts. So I think I've mentioned one idea before that when the the children first start school, their first year, they are given a patch of ground, and that is theirs right throughout the whole time they're at that school. Yeah, I really like now, this idea. Yeah, you know, it starts as a blank canvas, and let's say that first year they plant an apple tree. By the time they finish that school, that apple tree is going to be producing apples. Yeah. Because they take a couple of years at least to get really get going. But also, they're going to be designing that from their first year, but adapting it throughout the extra years as they go on and changing it. And then, of course, when they leave, it does mean uprooting everything, getting rid of it. But who knows, perhaps somebody, one of the kids that's really shown willing might be able to take that apple tree home with them and continue growing it. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. I think I think, I think, think giving them something that they can actually see for the whole five, is it five? 
six, six years they were at yeah. that school. Uh, yeah. Then uh, I should know, really, you know. <laughs> uh, then, uh, then that's uh, it's good because it means it's longevity, isn't it? It means that it's not just a a one hit wonder for that year. Uh, yeah. It also it means true. that if 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 they fail, they know they've got them extra years in that same plot to 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 correct that. Yeah, and to learn from from what's happened rather than just being one year on that plot and they don't really get a chance to to learn from their mistakes yeah uh, the following year Would you um, mark? That, 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 that's a brilliant idea i mean it's, it's feeling ownership of the land the area and, and that teaches responsibility that you've got to be able to look after it you've got to put the time in the consistent time in um yeah no i mean that that that, 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 that that's a great idea um you know for schools that have have the land have the space um it, it also kind of like helps them out with how to manage and use the land and space because they've got this little workforce this little army of people yeah. that you know, are really keen <laughs> we're back to the schools <laughs> um yeah, it's um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got so many ideas here. We need to bring them together somehow. And it would be really great if we could have a, a phone-in show in the next few weeks or something, which is... Because one thing that I haven't got my head around is because my, my, Monty, my first son, is just starting school. Um, and he's a bit special because he's still non-verbal. So he, he's a little bit different compared to lots of other kids. So I need to understand what the capabilities of children are in years one, two, three, four, five, six, or whatever they're called, and what projects we offer them, and when is going to be the best time to do it. Because, yeah, I totally agree that at the early part of the school, the first couple of years, that's the time to put in a, a tree or a shrub or a long-term thing. So they've got the four, five, six years of seeing it. At what year group do we maybe grow tomato seeds? Yeah, you know, we can get money maker tomato seeds for dirt cheap, um, materials for dirt cheap. But what age are the kids old enough to be able to actually plant the seed nicely, be able to look after it, not drop it, <laughs> um, and also want to take it home and also like tomatoes and be adventurous in their food taste a bit more. Um, so, and also what I would like to have is another 50 ideas. Yeah, there's the tree, there's the tomato seeds. Give me 50 other ideas of things that mm. we can put together in this plan for any school that signs up to the Skinny Jean Gardener um, plan. This is the document you get. This is what we recommend. This is what we suggest. This is what appropriate for age groups. This is how it feeds back to the national curriculum. This is where we're teaching you the biology, the chemistry, the horticulture, the science, the history, the and make it all joined up thinking. Yeah, my my thinking behind it, and, and I'll just quickly just on the sides of the comments. Thanks to for sending that through in emails. Um, just uh, my thinking about it is that we the the plan that we're producing is something that will literally start from year one, and it will be the same thing each year. So if they're growing tomatoes, you're right. Things are gonna fall out of the pots. Things are not gonna get watered. Some tomatoes plants are not gonna to grow. But what's going to be taken from that to the next year and to the next year, and then by year six, you could have you could possibly have had four or five years of failed tomatoes. But the idea is that by year six, you would have learned so much from those failed years that you'll you'll be smashing it. Like absolutely, you know, loving it. So the, the plan is that 
we'll be able to do we create something that all years will tap into um the only thing the only difference with that will be the curriculum side of where we drop them bits in but the actual growing thing i think like i say like failure is is part of unfortunately part of life and mistakes happen and mis- you learn from mistakes you know what i mean so that's not kind of, sorry. I was going to say, let's not call them failures or mistakes. Let's call them learning curves. Yeah, that's, that's more positive, mate. Yeah. A bit more positive about it. Well, well, from the guy that just called kids slaves earlier, yeah, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I don't have kids, so I can get away with it. So. <laughs> yeah, they are learning curves, though, aren't they? That's the thing. So, so uh, yeah, all it is is, is getting uh, for each different year wh- where that comes into their curriculum. Which um, I think Mr. Jackson's just sent me some bits through, which could help uh, for the next oh, time we talk about this. I was going to ask if um, uh, Lockman Cook or Mr. Jackson are, are listening, if they can send me uh, a PDF of the national curriculum. I know it's a vast document, but I'd quite like to have a little scan through it and uh, just sort of see where we can sort of add elements into it. Yeah, um, Let me see what he's just sent me. He might have just sent me a picture of himself. Not that he does that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he said, "Here's some bedtime reading." Oh crikey, there's a lot. Oh yes, I'll send it. I'll, I'll forward it to you, Mark, and and to you as well, Rich. If you fancy having a little yeah, read, yeah, go on then. He's up, go on then. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, so it's, it's tapping into those bits is is the the bit we need me to work out. But like like you say, is there any uh, other vegetables or anything else you think, Rich? Uh, um, from what you do. Well, I'm just wondering about actually getting the kids to run experiments as well. So let's take garlic. Normally, we'll be putting in our garlic between now and sort of December, January, depending where you are. And the kind of common reason we want to put garlic in then is because it needs a period of cold in order to split it into cloves. Mm-hmm. But what if we put some in now and then some in later on in March or something when it's supposedly too late and compare the two and see how they compare when we harvest them that's a good idea actually it's almost yeah like science experiments yeah i like that like test testing testing how it all works yeah that's a really good idea it's it's like with um sweet corn um the biggest problem with sweet corn failing is that the soil is not warm enough so if um you plant out some sweet corn when you kind of know it's too early and then only a couple of bits and then plant the bigger crop when you know the soil is warm enough. You can do very much demonstrate to the kids that this is the big reason why the sweet corn didn't establish. The roots can get down. It wasn't warm enough. Um, but yeah, no, definitely science. We like science. The um, the uh, company I work for, um, we have more scientists than salespeople. And uh, I'm one of the few salespeople, and uh, you know, I am outnumbered by the scientists. <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting place to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a great idea. Awesome, awesome. Um, right, well, I think you know we've definitely bounced. You're late a lot for an advert break, aren't you, mate? Oh, don't worry about the advert breaks, mate. I'm not bothered. <laughs> They're all self-indulgent anyway. They're all you are, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, I think I've come up with some good ideas. I really enjoy chatting. I mean, with the reason I got you both on tonight is because I enjoy chatting to you guys about about this. And there's some good ideas really popping up that that, uh, that you don't really get to see me actually 
being too serious about it on this show, but behind <laughs> the scenes, uh, there's a lot of planning. Like um, everything that you're, you guys are saying, and it's slowly coming together into a bit of a plan, which uh, which I'll share with you guys, obviously, before we share share with everyone else. Yeah. But it's good. It's good. Like it's really it's really helpful. And like Mark sitting down and doing those times that are not six weeks, it'd be cool if we could try and like there are going to be things that we might have to try and keep going over the six weeks holiday, which. We, you know, might have to come up with some ideas for that, but go on, Rich. That, that reminds me, I was watching a video on YouTube from a gardener called Simplified Gardening. Oh, yeah. And he had grown some potatoes in buckets, and he said he hadn't watered them throughout the summer due to illness, right. yet he still produced a good crop. And he was, he, he put it down to the method he used to grow them. So he bought the bottom heart or bottom inch in the soil, mulched around the base, so that pot was in contact with the soil, keeping moisture that way, and then he added a mulch on top to stop water being lost through evaporation. Apart from rain, it didn't get watered, and he still produced a good crop. Well, things like mulching and composting and worm, like that is a whole other thing which I want to try and make sure is in there, because the word mulch is not something if you go around to anyone <laughs> anyone who doesn't garden you go oh, it's a bit like no one knows what you're talking about like these things the kids need to know about i think they're really they're really important for keeping plants going so we need to make, make sure that gets in there yeah yeah no that, that, that's a great technique because um you know the, the soil holds so much moisture uh, and through capillary action where it's just drawing the moisture up if you can hold the moisture around the plant, um, yeah, no, that, that, that's a great idea. I didn't have potatoes on the list just because of the problems of the high water amounts that they need through the um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the the summer period. Um, and as we were kind of talking a few nights ago, you could probably supplement that by just taking a great big water tank, sinking it in the soil about this depth, this deep, putting a, a, a pipe going across from it. And just making sure that that water tank always had that amount of water in it, and then that yeah. would through the action would keep it constantly kind of watered. Um, you may get through a lot of water because it may go into the soil and disappear, but uh, work in progress. Work in progress. We might come up with some way of making it work. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, but with potatoes, if we grow first early potatoes, plant them in March, they're out by June, yeah. so still in that, that school season makes it work yeah yeah definitely yeah potatoes are, are a good one let's just quickly just quickly uh, before i lose you guys uh quickly see what people are saying uh Stu says team ak are sowing broad beans now yeah uh, dan says you can't beat brussels sprouts fried in a little bit of garlic uh and butter Ooh. lovely yep. stuff okay uh, says Dan, my Dan cooks our sprouts like that. Yummy. Lot of sprout talk. Yeah. <laughs> Simon well, says we Well, yeah. <laughs> we, Simon says we grew. I can tell you one thing. I'm not cooking sprouts in this studio and making my studio stick with sprouts. <laughs> uh, Simon says we grew leeks last year. They were good, uh, but a bit too small to get excited about. Which um, you're not really worried about that, which I am. Well, just small leeks. I mean, chefs pay a fortune for them because they look good on a plate. And it's still, in my opinion, I think when when food is small and young, it actually tastes better than when it's been able to grow 
for longer time. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, yes, you do need a lot of leaks, or a lot of small leaks to fill you up. But then you don't actually need that big an area if you grow lots of them in a small confined space. Yeah, no. Swings and roundabouts. It really is. <laughs> uh, Dan says, it, it is a good idea to plant a tree at school with the children back in 2000. Oh, in the, with the children back in 2000, we planted a tree at school, but unfortunately, 20 years later, it has been bulldozed and turned into flats. Okay. <laughs> oh, it didn't quite work out then. In that, in have, that sense. Must have been a big tree to turn it into a flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Sean says, uh, you have your short-term plant, long-term plants. We're looking at doing a blended approach in of two success and mishaps seen in each. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's very true. It's good to have long-term plants, short-term plants, stuff that works easily and quickly, stuff that you've got to have you know, a long-term view for, and you are invariably going to get some successes and some mishaps. I, I like the idea that this, that, you know, kids need to learn that failure is possible. Um, yeah. On a, uh, you know, micro scale, um, my, my son Monty is really getting into Pokemon and Pokemon Go and stuff like that. And I love the fact that you cheer somebody who wins. You go, well done. If you win, you go, yes, I've won. You don't go, ha ha, I've won. You go, great, I've won. And then you congratulate somebody who has won. I love that sort of like idea that, you know, I think a lot of kids, they do they, they do need to learn to be sort of gracious in defeat. They do need to learn that failure does happen. You aren't going to yeah. you know, succeed at everything. And let's face it, in horticulture, succeeding is <laughs> yeah by no means guaranteed for sure that builds <laughs> yeah. character yeah 100 percent. yeah i i i even struggle with with olive sometimes with that because um she doesn't like losing i don't know who she gets that from but um <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, final comment is from Stu saying richard you should be a teacher well I'm a bit too late now in my life. Fancy that, mate. Well, as a podcaster, I kind of am a teacher. So there we go. Nice, nicely done. I certainly don't get enough heard enough from it. So uh, (laughs) it certainly feels like a teacher in that regard. Then, Mark Mitchell, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight, guys. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting us. Well, yeah. But you got your VIP card yet? No, I haven't yet. Shouldn't have really let you in then without it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. And um, yeah, let's take these these this uh, a little bit further and, and see how we go. It's been good. It's been really good. Cool. Nice one. Thanks so much, guys. Take care, mate. Bye bye. See you later. Bye. Oh wow, a lot to uh, a lot to unpack there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know on the socials. And perhaps you'd like to tune in. This is just the best bits. Imagine the actual full show. We're here on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch every Monday to Thursday, 8 till 10. So if you want to come on, if you want to chat gardening, that is the place to be. Thanks for listening. This is a Skin and Gin Gardener podcast sponsored by Flyro.